It's Cockney Crew just in front as Trap for Fools goes up now to giving the big eyeball. Trap for Fools on the outside of Cockney Crew. Wrinkley getting strung up. Modelina's about to move to the outside of Harry Thomas. The big show back inside of those and last of the line has come right around the field. Dashed up quickly. Last of the line at the 200. Hit the front. Parnham goes for the stick on Modelina trying to match it with last of the line. But last of the line beats off Modelina. It's last of the line pulling clear. Fabulous performance to win the detonator. Last of the line beat Modelina. Welcome to the Western Mail Racing Podcast. On the show we discuss all things Perth racing and preview the Saturday Metro meeting. We'll also be interviewing industry participants but first, it's over to Mike Johnson to get us underway. G'day punters, welcome back to another episode of the Western Mail. It's episode 59 this week with the Detonator Stakes preview on the card. It's a nine race program down at Ascot with the feature race being listed and it goes over the 1800 metres on what looks like another really hot day for racing. So before we get into anything further, we'll have a look back at the results from last week's Challenge and Cyril Flower Stakes meeting. Uh, race number four timescale ran fifth there, was expecting a much better performance. Got well out the back and just didn't really look to run on. Not sure what happened, didn't uh, have any abnormalities in the stewards report in terms of post-race, so not sure there. Tricks of the Trade was a good winner in race five in the challenge stakes. Uh, looked like he might get pocketed for a little while there, but Troy Turner was very patient, got out and put the race to bed. Didn't win by a big margin. I thought he missing was very bold up top and was, yeah, really gallant second, but Tricks of the Trade is just a little bit too good. Uh, race number eight, Amasinus ran 10th in the Cyril Flower Stakes. Again, like timescale, expected a much better performance. Uh, wasn't helped, though, by getting shunted across uh, about five lanes on the corner. Uh, there was, yeah, it was quite a messy race, uh, but she ended up running 10th. So uh, hopefully she is OK and we might see her again soon. And then in the last so war, I thought uh, he ran sixth. thought he was tracking really well. Uh, in around midfield or just off the pace uh, in that last race of the day. Uh, didn't really get much of a look at them in the run home, though. It was sort of held up for a large portion of the straight. Uh, still ran six. Uh, didn't really get much of a look, as I say. So uh, was willing to forgive and, and follow up on him at his next start. So uh, tough day for pod selections. Uh, but we move on and we try to uh, improve on that this Saturday with the Detonator States meeting. So we'll have a look at the track set up for Saturday's meeting. We're on a good four rating and the rail is out 12 metres for Saturday. Uh, around 55% of winners come from the first half of the field in running. That's since late 2018 with a 12 metre rail. And with another hot day, conditions around 37 degrees, as well as east to southeast dealing really winds in play. I do think uh, that trend can and probably will continue here. Uh, but as always, let's watch those first couple of races just to make sure or to see if anything different may be happening. So we're going to kick off the preview at race number two. It's the three-year-old handicap over the thousand metres. Uh, looks a really nice race with quite a few renewing acquaintances here after the Magic Millions down at Pinjara a couple of weeks back. Uh, I'm going to forgive Spin the Knife here. Uh, this Snippets and Gelding, he looked to be about half a yard slow out of the gates uh, down there at Penny, and as a result, didn't get anywhere near the speed. Uh, then looked to me to be fighting Chris Parnham 
for much of that early to middle part of the race uh, before end ending up holding fifth spot on the line. It was only 2.3 lengths off the winner in Pixie Chicks there, who he does meet again, uh, but half a kilo better off. Draws gate one as well with Holly Watson going on. Uh, should find the front, uh, jump and run. I think with Heavenly Waters likely landing outside of them for company. But back to the 1,000 here, I thought if Holly can give this bloke a bit of a mid-race breather, he should have plenty left in reserve to give a nice kick upon straightening on a day that looks quite possibly to benefit on-speed types. And around $2.70, would not be surprised to see that around even money on Saturday. I think it's quite generous at the moment. So take what you can for spin the knife. I think you can get back into the winner's circle on Saturday. From there, we'll head straight across to race three. It's the Tab Touch West Speed Platinum Handicap. No Metro win over the 1400. And thought that Star Present was awfully stiff to go down last time out. Was second of 13 in a Class 3 1200 race at Belmont. Uh, this daughter of Alfred Nobel raced wide for a large portion of that race, but kept fighting to the line and did look the winner for a while. Was just nosed out a bit by Kelvin very late on. Uh, also lay inward during the closing stages as well, so I'm willing to forgive. And while she does rise in class here, uh, she does have a few things in her favour. We've got her drawing very handily down in two. And Chris Parnham goes on as well. So he should be able to land from there. I thought in the box seat in transit here with the likely speed to come from the wolf pair of Halitorian and Mr. Mount Walker. Uh, so if Chris can slot in behind them, I think with Gallant Ranger outside of him, he'd be in a great position to make a move on the turn. And uh, this horse has got form around the likes of Kicker Goal Sun, Carly's Karma and Pink Carrots this prep as well. Uh, so they've all run really well. Uh, so Brock Luthwaite has his girl Cherry right. I think they'll take a lot of beating with even luck. And he's each way all day here around $6 and $2.25 for star present in the third. So we're going to have a look now at race number four. It's the Happy Birthday Fergo Handicap to one Metro win over the 1100. And I was really impressed with the win of my baby Blue Jean last time out led all the way to score in the three-year-old plate over the 1,000 metres. The Snippets and Philly was in on the minimum on that occasion and had quite the weight swing on her rivals, but did give a really good kick in the straight and never looked back from there. Uh, only rises one and a half here to 55.5 and from the exact same gate five as last start, should find the front here with fairly relative ease, I thought. Uh, Super X is the only other noted on-speed horse in this field, but he's drawn wider out. Uh, from there, with the expected favourable conditions in play, I think there's no reason why this girl cannot kick clear again upon straightening for CJP and will hopefully look the winner for quite a long way. Uh, it's probably rock bottom price now, though, for my baby Blue Jean, but was keen to be on at around $2.05. Uh, if you can get better than that, take it, but uh, hopefully it does get a little bit better than that closer to the start time. So we're going to go to a quick break now and on the other side is my chat with connor dunlop from geisel park stud so don't go away that's on the other side of this come on now welcome back punter so my guest this week is the stud manager down at geisel park stud situated in myla uh, and he's running the show down there coming into the Magic Million sales that have been delayed. But it's my great pleasure to welcome Connor Dunlop to the podcast. G'day, Connor. 
How are you going, Mike, and punters alike? How is it all going with you? Yeah, good thanks, mate. Big thanks for joining us. Um, so obviously the stud down there is home to Stallions All-American and Vert de Grease. How, how yeah, are those two it. fellas going uh, heading into the sales? Oh, well, uh, Vert de Grease, we don't actually have any any lots in the seal this year, despite um, actually winning the Magic Millions Women in Racing bonus on the weekend there with She's Graceful on second uh, Going down to obviously she's a belter. Looks like a very very promising horse, but yeah, she's a graceful. She's graceful. Ran a ran a huge race and um, yeah, took out the seventy five thousand dollar ladies and racing bonus that Magic Millions have on offer for the first horse home. So yeah, he's been a he's been a bit of a, an enigma for a degree, but hopefully over the next few months we can we can see a few more hitting their straps. I know we we've got quite a few here that um, that we've retained ourselves to race and some have taken a bit more time than ideally we would have liked, but that's that's the nature of the beast, I suppose and. Yeah, we just have to hope we can convert the time and the, reap the rewards in the future. We've had a bit of success with um, with Green and Shady, um, has picked up a win for us and has been really unlucky in some of the horses. Towards the end of his last preparation, he ran into a horse like Bozum, who's now a multiple stakes winner and stakes place. So we, we, he's got enough going for him in the right direction that we hopefully we can we can pull out a few more over the next sort of six months and and. He resurrect his um, his styling career with us somewhat because he's been a little bit um yeah a little bit forgotten about but he was a he was a terrific racehorse himself for a degree he was um, yeah. a Group One winning two year old and was one of the highest rated colts in Europe at, at the time with the time rating time form rating of I think it was 116 or so and I think that was only surpassed by by the likes of Frankel and Glen Eagles at the time and he, he narrowly got beaten by Glen Eagles. Um, Going up the hill at the Cura as a as a young horse as well, so he was in he was in a really really class group of of, of colts and to be rated that highly in Europe it, it speaks dividends of, of the style. And so we, we just hope over the next few months we can um, can see those results converting on the track. Yeah, and then with with all American, well, all Americans built the profile himself. He was fantastic two year old and went on and um, beat. So you think as a four-year-old, so you think at the time was the, the best racehorse in the world. And the way All-American beat him that day was was unbelievable. He just exploded and ran past him as if he was running past a, a maiden or so. But And then to go on to the breeding barn and produce one like Yankee Rose, who um, was like her dad was a, a record breaker as well. Um, yeah, he's, he's a phenomenal stallion. And from a personal perspective, personally, I believe he's one of the best stallions we have in WA. Um, but yeah, again, and he, he's doing his job here within Western Australia. We've got three nice Colts all going to the Magic Millions now next week um, by All-American. It should be really, really sought after because we'll discuss some of his stats, but Colts are, are quite quite strong. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to Bert Degree, I mean, I did see a tweet after the Magic Millions on Sunday about him having no... Um, representation i suppose you could say at the sales but hopefully that's uh that well, ladies bonus might get the or get the ball rolling for for the next uh the, the next round of uh broodmare visits i suppose it can only be a good thing and uh yeah notice that you've got a bit of an irish accent there mate how did you come to be in the land of down under <laughs> oh but i'll be here 10 years now in, in march and oh it was just one of those things you take the chance and everyone you go to Ireland and everyone wants to wants to visit somewhere else and it's either <laughs> America or Australia. 
one one of my mates was pulling me towards Philadelphia. He wanted me to go out and play football out there with him. And then a couple of other guys were saying, "I oh, will go and have a crack in, in in Australia." And what was supposed to be a two year stay has turned into ten. So yeah, uh, no, it's been it's been really good. I, I enjoy life here. It's um, oh, it's wonderful out here. Uh, personally, like Ian, personally, it's a, probably the best move I could have made in in my life at, at the point in time. We we the recession was pretty strong in Ireland and things just weren't there wasn't a great deal of opportunities so coming out here was was a terrific terrific move yeah excellent mate and can you tell the listeners a little bit more about your role day to day down at the stud there so yeah I, I'm the manager of the stud I oversee all the operations day to day from feeding to, to watering and making sure all our horses are, are looked after and catered for in, in the best possible manner we, we could provide we you know we we work really closely with nutritionists, dietitians, vets, our farriers. Um, you know, the, the all the far all the horses on the farm, be it brood mares, right through to the to the foals, yearlings, weanlings are, are all assessed practically daily, make sure that everything everything's in order and anything that needs adjusted is tweaked and adjusted along the way. And anything that they need um, where we see fit, they 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 definitely get it. That's one of the one of the things that we we have here. And again, we're quite fortunate that we've got a great network of people around us. And you know, the industry itself here, there's a wonderful amount of 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 knowledge within the industry on, on all levels. So we're very fortunate to have that. Um, yeah. So yeah, basically, my my role is to to oversee and make sure everything's going along as as well as it should be, and um, and hopefully sticking to sticking to that going along and progressing as much as we can yeah absolutely and is it a big team that's under you down there at all oh uh, we've actually got a small team um for this for the number of horses we have on the farm and and for the size of the farm we, we we've only got a small this time of the year and particularly this year with the troubles of covid and whatnot we, we're usually quite reliant on on bringing in a few bikepackers but finding those experienced bikepackers that have come in with with horse experience and horse knowledge has been quite difficult in the current climate um but yeah we've only got a small team my partner rachel and her sister are here and uh we've got another young girl from from holland that's here and um Eddie, Eddie Rigg, who owns the property, um, on occasion, but he's quite hands-on. Uh, <laughs> his cousin Brad also also works here on the farm. So yeah, uh, we, we don't have a big team, but we've got a, a definitely a team that, that, that work in cohesion with each other and work, work really well. Oh, excellent, mate. And would there be any differences in the day-to-day operations down there compared to, say, a trainer's yard, for example? Oh, uh, look... The training operations are obviously a lot different to the stud operations. We, we're more so uh, looking looking after the young stud, and obviously the spelling horses that come back. We want to provide as much as a relaxing environment for them as possible. So we're not really all the hustle and bustle of the training side of things, where the trainers are up and up and at it before um, before the rest of it, the rest yeah. of us even think about getting up. Um, and there's horses coming and going. Now we're a bit more relaxed than that. This especially this time of the year, apart from the yearling preparation, where the yearlings are, you know that. There are key folks at this point in time with their exercises and making sure their their diets are, are right and everything's taken care of. So all of our, the three colts that we've taken this year are all exposed to the lunging roller side reins. They're on and off the walker. Uh, practically, plus the only thing they're missing is someone hopping on their bike by the time they get to the seal. So um, there's a bit of it, a bit of work goes into that. But yeah, and then during the falling season, the falling season for us is is obviously the busiest point in time. Um, of any year and having the two stallions on the farm is, is, is pretty busy with mares coming and going, mares having foals, um, van serving. And yeah, it's, it's a pretty hectic period from sort of the tail end of, of 
July, almost right through to mid sort of January, and then we're, we're already into our, we're well into our yearling prep by that stage and getting closer to our, to our seal by that stage. So yeah, the, that sort of July right through to the, the middle of end of February is um is a bit of a a, hit, a strong fast paced um time of the year for us, I suppose. Yeah, busy, busy. So out of the five lots you mentioned uh, at the sales, outside of the three Colts by All American, I notice you've got uh, a further, well, you've got a, a filly uh, by press statement and a cult by Universal Ruler. How did those two come about for you? Oh, we've had actually had a bit of bad luck with those two. We've had to withdraw them from the seal. Um, Universal Ruler, we had him in his exercise regime, and we noticed pretty early that he was making a bit of a bit of an issue, bit of a noise with the and his wind. So we had him scoped. Unfortunately, he was he was a roarer, sir. So he's he's out of the seal. We could have probably taken him through, but we would prefer to just take everything there that's going with with no issues and nobody's going to pick up any any problems there. But yeah, we, we took him. He's back in the paddock now, so we'll uh, we'll hold on to him and do a wind operation probably a year's time and um probably yeah race him ourselves. But and then the the filly, the press statement filly, who was a really nice filly, really really nice filly, a beautiful pedigree. Um, she had a little issue with a hind leg and she's only just recovered from it. Again, we could have probably taken her to the seal, but I don't want to be taking a horse to the seal and then somebody take her, buy her, take her to the breakers and her have a, have a slight issue just because she hasn't fully recovered. So we'll probably earmark her to go to the Magic Millions June seal. Um, failing that, we'll uh, hold on to her to race because she does have quite a nice, uh, a nice pedigree. Um, we're off but we don't mind keeping a few fillies ourselves here at the farm and racing them and try and try and upgrade the race performance as well as the pedigree so yeah well, definitely but she was she would have been a nice filly to take as well as the universe ruler but yeah those are a few of the spanners that get thrown in the works with with yeah. horses from time to time so then our, our sole focus went moved from from a, a draft of five to a draft of three um pretty quickly and, and you know it's it's not unheard of so horses to encounter little problems along the way in their preparation you could start off with 20 and end up with 15 yeah well fingers crossed those two can uh get get themselves right i suppose fingers crossed for that but notice uh on twitter you were you were retweeting about lot 91 a little while ago the all american uh, out of buchanan girl who's actually a brother to dark dream who's racing over east he uh, looks like a nice type. And then you've also got uh, a half-brother to Miss Vasari, Lot 332, All-American out of Miss Safari. Uh, how are, they, are those two probably the pick of the bunch outside of Lot 321? Um, I'd say my personal favourite is Lot 321. Okay. Um, taking, taking nothing away from the other two quotes, I, I, my, he, he's just a really tractable horse. Um, I really nice almost suitable to what WA vendors are looking for, that athlete that likes to, that has that presence about him that's mature enough and physically physically balanced. Um, looks to me like he'd be an early runner. He's from an oratorio mayor. Oratorio, oratorio himself was was noted for his his early runners. Yeah. Um, crossed with All-Americans, so there's a bit of speed there. Uh, All-Americans have said was, was a fantastic two-year-old. A lot of people overlook his, his two-year-old career. He was, he was a terrific two-year-old early and he, he ran fifth in the Golden Slipper when nothing went his way that day. And yeah, um, with the, the oratorio, we reckon there'd be a lot of speed there. We actually retained um, a half share in um, lot three two one's brother from last year. Okay. Um, and he went out and had a trial and pulled up a little bit of shins after his trial, but we saw, saw enough in that trial that we think that he's going to be 
be competitive when, he, when his time comes to race. So, but this guy here is, is a much nicer type than the full brother from last year. Um, and one of the one of the good things that one of the things we should note with him is uh, 50% of the proceeds from his seal will be donated to charity. So the Janine Chalwell uh, Foundation for Melanoma Research. So whatever he sells for, 50% of those proceeds will go to that, that foundation, which is an awesome, awesome foundation. Um, Chris Chalwell's involved with a lot of a lot of race, race horses and, and a lot of yards. And you know, sadly Janine passed away recently. And yeah, the, the foundation is is a, it's something that's very close to a lot of people's hearts. So uh, yeah, it'd be terrific if he can go there and be as well represented as, as he looks because uh, yeah it's, a, it's definitely a, an awesome incentive to be putting your hand in the air and, and getting on the end of one knowing that the um, the proceeds the 50 percent of those proceeds are going to a tremendous cause you know melanoma we almost call it the australian cancer somewhat yeah. it's, it's just something that's that's that almost every australian and that you, you encounter knows one, two, three people that have over a course of time have, have encountered melanoma. So it's a fantastic um, incentive to be be involved with that one. Yeah, that is that is terrific, mate. Uh, Fifty percent of the proceeds. I mean, yeah, that that is phenomenal. So kudos to yourself and, and everyone at, at the stud there for engineering that. And hopefully, uh, it means that we get a, a really good return for you uh, on the sale. Uh, but that's that's fantastic and. Yeah, while we're on the topic, I mean, um, you know, I know I, I get a skin check every year, so I think I highly recommend doing that to anyone out there, even if you're not out in the sun that much, because, uh, yeah, like you say, it, it, melanoma is very common. So uh, get yourself checked out, punters. And, um, yeah, moving on from there, with your stallions, Con, I mean, there are, are there a couple of broodmares that you have as well, or is it kind of a, a BYO type yeah, we, situation? We try and, um, we try and limit our, our own broodmare bands sort of between 25 and 30 so we'll have probably 20 residing here um at the moment we've got seven i think on the east coast um that we sent across there fold down and, and put in full um on the east coast they'll their progeny will actually come back in the coming months so we'll, we've got we've actually got a really nice group of foals coming back to us we've got a couple of so you thinks um nice a coronado and Oh, there's a few other nice foals in amongst them, and and the, those mares have went to, to really nice stallions this year, which has been, been really good. It's, it's one of the things that we're trying to trying to develop here is a, a really strong breed mare band. We're not focusing on on trying to breed a hundred mares per year, but we'd rather breed twenty to thirty really good consistent mares that we can put on the market or, or race ourselves that we think will do a really good job and and give not only owners and trainers and ourselves a return, but punters a return because, yeah. you know, a big part of this industry, um, it would, we, we wouldn't exist if we, we hadn't got the punters and hadn't got the interest there. So it's, it's a big, we all, we all, as much as we don't work hand in hand all together every day, there's a, there's a big network uh, that goes on behind the scenes that, that, um, that the punters are very much involved in, which is, is greatly appreciated from, from every aspect, be it trainers, joggies, the, uh, stable hands and ourselves here on the studs that you know we we didn't have a product to put out there um to the punters well we'd be we'd be lost without the punter yeah yeah it definitely facilitates a a big octopus i guess you could call it but i guess for me personally you know i've, I've been a, a punter for quite a while but i've also grown to learn a lot more about the industry outside of that too and you know speaking to people like yourself is is one of those aspects but I particularly love, and uh, not, not giving them a plug or anything, but I like how 
uh, tab touch give a portion of uh, punters bets back to the industry which i think is a terrific thing and uh, i mean if if that was to change hands i'm you know i'm quite worried about what might happen to that because i think it is important to to support you know the industry uh, i know a lot of jobs are supported by it and a lot of livelihoods but um, you know it is one one thing that we need to kind of safeguard for the future i think for sure yeah absolutely 100% agree we we just got to make sure that the if and when it does happen, because I think it's more a case of when it does happen rather than if it does happen, that there is incentives and and something in place that ensures that there's still going to be that that same monotony coming forward into into the you know the the actual business side of things and, and ensure that, that racing doesn't suffer as a result of it. Yeah, for sure. So, are you a bit of a punter yourself, mate? Uh not not a huge punter. Um, here and there, I'll, I'll have a have a have a little nibble. I'm, I'm not brave enough to try and I'll, to tip to tip any. I'll, I'll make pass my thoughts on what I think might go well. But yeah, in terms of tipping and punting, I'll have a nibble here and there, and just any whispers that I hear from a few of the trainers that I've been speaking with. And uh, yeah. yeah, I normally look forward to the Kalgoorlie season cranking up because I'm I'm quite close with uh, Peter Fernie, Andrew Ingalls, and Luke Fernie, and those guys. So nice. Yeah, I usually I usually have a pretty pretty good Sunday when I, when I when I'm speaking with those guys quite quite regularly Peter Peter usually doesn't miss the target too often no he doesn't uh I think the hardest thing for me uh, is trying to pick the right Fernie runner when he's got multiple <laughs> ones in a row <laughs> yeah no he, he I think he's rolled a few of us on, on, on occasion on, on the on that one so he has I think a few of the jockeys have, have just got a bit competitive <laughs> with each other and, and threw a few of us out yeah no definitely any uh, memorable wins or, or sick beats you you might be willing to share with us? Oh, one of my best was actually a collect. Oh, I hadn't met Rachel that long. It was probably oh, five or six years ago. We had quite a few horses actually racing in Cal that weekend. And I, I'd done a bit of an accumulator and put a few horses together and a bit of a multi. And we had horses like Thedwick the Moose and Yosem of Huzz. Um, <laughs> there was a couple of others. Uh, and Jake the Venom. And uh, I was waiting on... Thedwick, uh, Jake the Venom got up at 26 to 1. Wow. And I think Thedwick the Moose got up at 19. I was waiting on I was waiting on Thedwick the Moose to pick up about $10,000 wow. uh, in the last race at Cal that day from, from what was a $6 bet. So that was that was definitely one of my highlights in, in punting. But again, it's probably not a strategy I would recommend to punters is putting together a ridiculous um, ridiculous multi but yeah that was one occasion that, that, it, that it pulled that I pulled it out of the hat or I should say the Fernie boys pulled it out of the hat for me. <laughs> oh, very well done mate that's uh yeah that, that's the stuff of dreams that is uh yeah very well done is there any sort of good racing advice that I mean I know, you, you, I know you're not a big punter but any good racing advice you might be able to pass on to the listeners you know when punting? Um, uh, not not so much punting per, per points of view but I speak to quite a few owners and uh, you know, and a few, a lot of new new owners coming into the industry, and, and that's that's it's been a great thing. We, we we're very very fortunate that the owners only or the races WA and those guys have been getting out there and getting feet on the ground and getting bringing so much new blood into the industry. It's 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 terrific. But one of the one of the things that I, I always tell owners is go to the races hoping to win, not expecting to win. Yeah, because this game you can you can be riding the crest of a wave and all of a sudden. That way, it sucks you up, and you're 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 eating sand for the rest of the day. So that's one of my pieces of advice. So, yeah, go go hoping to win, but yeah, don't definitely don't go expecting to win. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think whenever you uh, expect or think something's uh, a good thing or in the bag, it, it doesn't always turn out that way. But uh, yeah, no, that's really good, mate. Well, hey, Connor, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, mate. Um, yeah, really appreciate your time and wish you the best of luck at the sales and going forward. Yeah, much appreciated. Just before I go, I just want to rattle off a couple of stats for All-American before, before... Absolutely, mate. It's something that we, we had written down and and obviously, you know, lot um, 91 is probably one of the quotes of the seal going going to the seal. In my time, in the 10 years I've been here and speaking to a lot of other people, no one seems to remember the last time or if ever a full brawler to a group one winner has went through a seal. So in, in West Australia. Um, so it's this is this was pre pretty much a piece of history that's that's going to occur. That there's going to be, and I'm pretty certain there's actually going to be two full brothers this year. So not only will we get one because I think the full two platoon, or sorry, the not platoon, the full two KC goes through as well. Um, but yeah, with um, lot ninety one, obviously a full brother to Dark Dream. Dark Dream was purchased for colossal money and has won in excess of two point two million dollars so he's got to be one of the, the quotes of the seal but um on um all americans quotes um as i see his winners to runners in terms of quotes is really good and this might be something that punters might want to to, to note on board so 64 percent of all americans quotes are winners um each quote earns on average eighty four thousand dollars per quote um when they get to the races so 64 percent is quite a high number to be re returning um, so there's about a stakes balance and a number of most of, I think it's been six of his nine stakes horses have been colts or geldings. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal, mate. Uh, yeah, definitely some, some really impressive stats there. And I guess when, when you hear that, I mean, you really need to be targeting lot 91, really. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I personally, as a horse himself, he's, he's got all the X factor, all the swagger that you want to be looking at on a horse. Um, I know I've said that my personal favourite is is uh, three, two, one. But if we were we were looking stripping everything back and looking, this is the, the lot ninety one's got his dam can't do any any more. She's at six to race for five winners, one of which is a Group One winner with two point two million dollars in the bank and still racing. He yeah. won a race at Flemington, or sorry, yeah, Flemington three weeks ago, and probably really unlucky this prep not to have won two other other races along with it he, he goes down in um, one of the cup races by by a, a nostril so he goes and i think uh the, the jockeys even crossed the line thinking he had he had won the race but yeah, yeah. so um again and, it's it's one of those ones if it again going back to all american i personally believe if you want to get to the elite level all americans the horse that can't can't get you there we've seen yankee rose we've seen um dark dream have both been Phenomenal Group One performers, but not only that, we've got there's been the likes of um, Elusive State in Hong Kong, who's won 8.8 .8 million Hong Kong dollars. Green Card, who 4.4 or 4.6 um, million Hong Kong dollars. We've had Batchman. There's you know going or even currently going around. There's looks like Elvis, who's banked in New South Wales 880 odd thousand dollars. So. Yeah. If you want to get to that elite level, easy. Uh, I personally believe it's the stallion that can get you there. And and you go to the seal with there's four catalog all Americans and all all of which are Colts. You know, going to the back of you, you know the figure in the back of your mind, sixty four percent of his Colts are winners. You got to be thinking to to be let's let's get into an all American Colt. There's no there's no better time. All of the Colts going are all um, 
West Speed, West Speed Platinum eligible. So yep. if you race them here in Western Australia, you pick up a you pick up a win for you're you're doubling your prize money straight yep. away. So and again, the West Speed incentive is a terrific incentive that we have here, and we're very very fortunate that we've got that bonus scheme where you you go to the, a Saturday race for two year olds, and I think the prize money is now forty three thousand dollars or forty four thousand dollars plus you you win the race with the West Speed bonus, and all of a sudden you're getting an extra forty thousand dollars on top of that. Yeah, it's like winning a listed race. Really, it's an incredible, uh, incredible incentive. And um, that sixty-four percent. I mean, you've got the three colts. It's more or less two thirds. So, be safe to say that two thirds of of your sale progeny this year will win a race. So, well, that's it. And you, you know, and you look at the uh, the average kitty is eighty-four thousand or just over eighty-four thousand dollars per colt. So. You, you go there and you can have a bit of fun and pick up a few checks along the way and it's definitely yeah if there's anyone anyone listening by all means get out to the seal complex and and have a look around and have a chat i'll be i'll be there and a lot of the other guys will be there and even have a chat with the trainers and, and chat with a few of the bloodstock guys because there's no better time to be involved in, in racing within western australia yeah and especially after last year's sale as well which there were quite a few record uh lots as well from memory so uh, I think the, the state of the racing here is in a really good position and uh, hopefully that can continue. But, um, yeah, thanks once again, Connor, mate. Really appreciate your time here on the Western Mail. No worries, mate. I appreciate it. Yeah, really great chat there with Connor Dunlop. Big thanks for his time. Uh, it was a cracking chat, lots of good yarns and some great insight into him and Geisel Park Stud. Uh, they got the three All-American Colts uh, in next week's sales. They do all look like cracking types. And as you heard from him, uh, some really interesting statistics regarding uh, runners to winners ratio and average prize money. So get involved if you are looking. Uh, so we're going to move on now, uh, resume on the preview in race number five. It's the Crown Perth Handicap, 72 plus over the 1,000 metres. Uh, thought Anchor Mantula is in really good form this prep here. He's notched a win in two seconds from three starts. Uh, his win two back was really good, I thought. Led all the way in his 66 plus over this track and trip, where the second place horse out of that race, this will test you, has since won a 72 plus and the listed Cyril Flower Stakes just last weekend. So, form reference looks by far the best in this race. Uh, Weapon Sun also was in that field. Uh, he came out and won an Ometro win at Belmont on his next start. So, form frankly, even further there. Uh, but Acromantula, uh, he did also have to lug the 60 kilos last start from a wide alley. So I like the class rise up in class, down in weight. So he gets three and a half kilo off and goes into gate five much better uh, there. Uh, should find the top here. I think you've got express time and Zeebel drawn outside. So I think Joey has a party holds cards here in terms of finding the rail. He should be able to get there as a result. Uh, I do respect the mayor informed express time. But this does look a steep class rise for her, even if she's now a Metro 81. Uh, but keen to be on Acromantula here. Uh, he was each way when prices open. He's into about 5 and 185. So uh, probably play the win at this stage. If we do get a drift back out to an each way quote, then be keen to have something on each way. But Acromantula uh, to get the win here in the fifth. So we'll end the preview on the feature of the day it's race number eight the listed detonator stakes over the 1800 and really good to see a full field uh, at the time of writing got around uh, the 16 well it's actually 16 runners now with stafford's lad coming out we didn't have one emergency so that means that bow camp will more than likely get a start 
Uh, we should see enough runners going forward as well with the large field. I think the likes of the King, Cockney Crew, Bow Count, Salaya, uh, Udgard Loki and Marachino all likely to roll forward right from the off. Not expecting much of a tempo though across the early to middle section of the race though, just being that 1800, but could set it up for a bit of a sit sprint affair as heads turn for home. And quite interestingly, we've got a few runners coming here first up, well, off afresh and since uh, last being seen in the Perth Cup around 42, 43 days ago, something like that. Uh, so at a distance of 1,800, I mean, it's we have to question how much residual fitness uh, is in those runners, the likes of Platoon, Paddy Shadow, uh, Cockney Crew's another one, I believe, uh, Bella's Idol as well. So, yeah, look, it's a really tough conundrum there, but I just kept coming back to Soleil here. I know she's probably not weighted the best in terms of her handy or her rating and the, the class, but uh, look, she's contested some really good races this prep and hasn't been disgraced in any of them, I don't think. It was really good first up in the Jungle Mists before a pair of really honest runs in the Group 3 company. Uh, and then just boxed on really well, I thought, at the most recent there in the Geisel Park Mile down at Pinjarra. She was third there. And that was an 84-plus race as well, so... A slight class rise here, uh, but it's nothing she hasn't experienced before this prep. Um, so really think she does map a treat as well. That's what I kept coming back to in this large field where I think being forward could be the difference between winning and not winning with the 16 runners to do battle. I think Joey has a party's got options from that sixth gate, but I think crucially doesn't have to lead with the above mentioned early speed likely to play out. Uh, but even if you can land this Toronado mare in the first two to three pairs in the run, I think they'll be in a really nice spot to make their move as things start to hot up on the corner. Uh, she is racing really well and deserves a win this prep. I think if she can get it here, cap her off nicely and uh, you might see her out to the paddock for a well-earned rest, but happy to be on each way here at around $7.50 and $2.80 for Salaya in the detonator stakes. But it should be a really interesting race and, can't wait to see it all unfold on Saturday afternoon. Uh, hopefully at around uh, quarter past five, uh, we'll be celebrating a winner. But that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, as always, though, if you have been enjoying the content, don't hesitate to give us a follow over on Twitter at Western underscore mail, on Facebook at TWM pod, the handle there, just pop that in the search bar, should come up real quick. Uh, obviously, YouTube at Western Mail Racing and for any uh, post-race meeting reviews, uh, the westernmail.wordpress.com where I'll try and pick out a few runners to follow and forgive going forward. So thanks once again for your company on this episode 59. I really appreciate it. Hopefully, we've got some winners in store for you and best of luck wherever you're playing elsewhere over the weekend, but I'll be back next week with episode 60. Take care and bye for now. Thank <laughs> you.